Welcome to episode 61 of the Rapid Change Matters podcast, a conversation with master hypnotherapist and NLP master practitioner, Kevin Martin. My name's Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis, or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm chatting with top therapists and agents of change who are out there getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I've got big news. Rapid Change Works is now running live training events, and you can check out the latest events coming up by visiting rapidchange.works, where you can also download a free, quick-to-read PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, along with all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. Today, I'm looking forward to a conversation with master hypnotherapist and master NLP practitioner, Kevin Martin. Kevin first came on my radar when past podcast guest Dan Candell said, Howard, he is a great conversationalist hypnotist. And since connecting with him, he's someone I'm really excited to be chatting with further today. He has, over the last 20 years, been presenting and training people in hypnosis and NLP. And he's also the author of the book, Living Your Dreams by Simply Changing Your Perceptions. This is someone who is passionate about helping as many people as he can. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Kevin to the podcast today. Welcome, Kevin. Well, thank you very much, Howard. I really appreciate the chance to be here and talk with you. Kevin, let, let's, let's jump straight in. And it would be really great for you to tell, uh, remind me and uh, really our listeners who are tuning in, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got started. What's your origin story? Oh, I'd love to tell that. Um, my wife and I have adopted three children. Our very first child, we adopted a five and a half. And it, we didn't realize it uh, until a few years later because we weren't told. But he, he had a lot of abuse. We knew that he had been in six foster homes before us. So five and a half years old, that's, that's quite a bit. Um, so all sorts of behaviors and stuff started coming out and by the time he was 10 and we had two younger children he was just too violent in the house so we had to put him into what we call a residential uh, and it was run by the department of mental health here in massachusetts and for seven years he became worse and worse and pretty much constantly he was the worst kid in the residentials he was in and it just kept on getting worse and i had been at the time i had been running a sales business and i was being introduced to something called nlp at the time and uh, i learned that not only was it good for sales it was great for making lasting change in mental health issues so i said oh i've got to learn this i really have to go out and learn this so i did i went out and First person I thought of was Tony Robbins. 
my wife and I went to the weekend, we walked on fire and I said, Oh, this is what I need. I need to learn all the stuff that he's doing so I can do this with my son. So I went to the, the entire uh, university and uh, I learned a lot about myself. I changed myself, you know, in a phenomenal way. However, I didn't learn the techniques because he no longer taught NLP. I didn't learn the techniques I needed. So I went off and I went to the Empowerment um, Partnership, uh, now run by Dr. Matthew James. And he was my instructor. And I went to my practitioner course. And after having just a phenomenal week and having gotten so, received so much change and learned so much change work, I said to him, I said, I told him about my son. He said, first of all, you don't work on your family. And I've come to realize how and why that, that is uh, something that I, I should stay with. Second of all, um, you are nowhere near experienced enough yet to work with your son. So he recommended somebody. Now, by this time, my son was 17. And by this time, his therapist was recommending him to be in a locked up psychiatric ward. And my wife and I had been through so many emotions and this was, this was really it. This is, we, we, we couldn't take it. I remember it was in October. My son had just been hospitalized twice in September. Um, he got psychiatric hospitalizations because he was so violent, because he was so violent against himself and others. And so I, I hired a practitioner and she did three five-hour sessions with my son within a week's time, within less than a week's time. And everything disappeared. I mean, he was never violent again. He had come to our house after that, the, first, the weekend after that. He came to our house for the first time in a whole year because he hadn't been into our house because there was, there was things that was, you know, critical and and then he was out of house every weekend and every school vacation until they let him out three months later. They finally said, hey, he's changed. He's gotten over all this. You guys did a good job by changing your attitudes. It had nothing to do with the therapy that you, you guys did. Basically, that's what they told us. And, but I saw this and I said, oh, my God. If this is miraculous change with my son, I need to go out there and help others in the same way and i did i went out and become a i got my master practitioner training i you know i uh since then have had lots of training uh, all over the place with hypnosis and nlp and all sorts of other modalities and my wife and i have our own have our own business helping people um we help people with all sorts of emotional issues. That's kind of what I specialize in is emotional issues. By the story, you can tell why I'm drawn to that. Um, and I've been so blessed to be able to help a lot of people get over some really traumatic stuff. And I, I love it. I love it. I love helping people. And I love being there for people. Well, one of the things that really struck me when we first spoke was the passion by which you talk about, and it comes across uh, so strongly uh, that it's wonderful to hear. I'm really curious uh, about uh, something that you mentioned because it's a fascinating story, uh, and obviously you went through all sorts of stuff with your son, but 
How important was it? Did did your son want there to be a change? I mean, there's this this adage of, you know, oh yes, they have to want to change, you know. But was he wanting things to be different? How engaged was he with that process? Uh, He was engaged. He he was consciously aware that you know he you know he's been away from home and and he loved us as his parents. Uh, and he was engaged. He wanted to change. He wanted to get better. He wanted to get better so much. So was it important? I, I think to a degree it, it certainly was because he wouldn't have been able to stand through five-hour sessions and, you know, actually go through everything that the practitioner was doing with him. Uh, wonderful lady, Susan Kellner's Inc., and uh, she did such an incredible job with him. And at the same time, it was a gift for her because she then started working with uh, other clients that were like him as well. So it was all uh, everybody in our life at that time, just for the right time, uh, was, uh, you know, it was perfect. But yes, he had a desire. He had a desire to get over the pain that he was feeling internally. Yeah. By the way, my son just turned 29 years old. And is fostering a child of his own, which I think is phenomenal. I, you know, we are really blessed that he has he has developed into this wonderful person. It's, it's beautiful to hear. It really is. Uh, how, how important, Kevin, is it that people come with that mindset of you know that they're, they're fed up of their own internal experience that they want there to be a change? I mean, can can we help people? who maybe aren't at that point? Um, I, I believe we can. Okay? It's important to have them at that point. Okay? But I believe we can help people that aren't yet at that point. I do a lot of belief change work. Hmm. And you know, someone who's got this belief that, oh, yeah, this, this, this can't work for me, and this doesn't work for me. You know, I feel like it's a block of granite, and I chip away a little bit here and there and there at the belief change. And uh, get them to the point that, yes, they trust me, and they know it can happen, and I've already worked on the reasons why. If we can get a little bit of, oh, yeah, this is going to work. Because, you know, in the work we do, powered we need them to follow the follow watch suggestions right mm-hmm. and if someone comes in it's because their wife or their husband says they need to be here and they need to change they're not going to follow anything we want and and it's just not going to work for them if they don't follow the suggestions and yes there is this thing called covert hypnosis out there you can do it underlying basically it's nlp language skills um yeah you can make some small subtle changes and maybe get an advantage but as for me um i build rapport i build beliefs and by the time i get to the point of doing anything with them they're usually all in and they want to do it quite right quite right and i think it's an important a piece around doing the foundational pieces yeah you know that get them ready i think i think you know in my own career i look back you know 15 16 years ago when i was first seeing people i was a little bit like 
oh, they've come in. What's the issue right now? Just roll up my sleeves, right? Just make it smaller. Do this. Make it bigger. Make it brighter. Make it bolder. Um, and, and sometimes missing some of the, what I would say, the the foundational pieces that mean that by the time you get to the in inverted commas, everybody change. Mm-hmm. You you've planted enough seeds that it will it will take. If that makes some kind of sense. Right. And, and you know what? I think that's where, you know, we, we always talk about the medical society doctors. They should be more holistic and look at the, look at the whole person. And even for us, you know, yeah, we've got these great techniques and, and we can just start them up and make those changes. But we really need to involve the whole person. We need to involve their, their trust, their belief systems. Uh, and you know, their whole self, if, if we can get that done, we have much better chance of being a success. And that's where I come from. You know, I I want to make sure that someone in my office now, sometimes I have someone in my office for an hour appointment and, uh, we're there for two hours and two and a half hours because I've spent so much foundational time. And if I know I don't have another client, it's like, okay. I just want to make sure that this person walks out and they have what they, they needed from me. So I'm going to build that foundation up front. Yeah. So, so it, when I did the rapid fire round, um, I asked you this question, and by the way, before I remind everyone what the question was in your response, um, if any listeners are out there going rapid fire round, rapid fire round, what do you mean? What does he mean? The rapid fire round scroll down underneath this episode. Uh, normally it gets released a couple of days before the full episode goes live it's a rapid fire round and it's eight questions in two minutes, really just exposing some of the attitudes and beliefs that people have around change work as a wet your whistle, wet your appetite for what's to come. But one of the questions I asked you, Kevin, was what's the worst advice currently being given out within the world of change work? And you suggested that people are kind of saying that NLP and hypnosis, uh, they're not really lasting fixes. They're not really lasting changes. So my, my question is really, who, where is it that you heard that kind of being banded around? And why do you think people have heard that or come to that conclusion? Well, <laughs> how about, you're going to love this response. Wikipedia. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> you know, that is the Bible for all knowledge. Um, I, I think for the longest time, uh, there was something, um, Someone uh, was updating Wikipedia on NLP and just consistently calling it a pseudoscience and it, you know it's something that doesn't work and you don't get lasting change and and things like that. And as far as hypnosis goes, um, from people who don't know what hypnosis is all about, my son's therapist, for instance, when I started talking to her. Uh, about the therapy we were going to do, I, I talked about NLP and, and explained to her, and she had heard about it, and she was intrigued. And then I said, we're also going to do a little hypnosis, and her face just turned, and she's said, no, no, we're not doing any of that. By the way, I didn't have her permission to do this. And during that week, later on in the week, after we had already started, and actually after we had already finished, she got the director of the department of mental health, the social worker and everybody else together. And she said, you have to cease and desist. And I said, our work's already all done and their jaw just dropped. Right. 
So here it was, here's a therapist. And she's saying, oh my goodness, you're not going to use hypnosis. It's not going to work. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, there's, there's a belief out there. And it's, and it's due basically to ignorance to, to people that, that don't know enough. And by the way, another one of your questions in the rapid fire round was mm -hmm. what was I once believed and I no longer believe, and it was about hypnosis. I once believed it was probably from my, my religious point of view, I thought hypnosis was something I shouldn't be dealing with. It was new age and new age had this connotation for me at the time. Uh, and it was mystical. And I did a lot of, and I had been trained in hypnosis by that time, by the way. It was mm -hmm. part of my NLP training. <laughs> it's like, okay. And I had a wonderful regression experience. But I was saying to myself, no, I can't use this. And I had to do the research to see that it's so, there's so much uh, science that's been done, so much research and studies that have been done in hypnosis showing that its effects are there. They're real. They're permanent. And... You know, I, I, I came around, but it, that, that thought is still out there, that mm -hmm. it's still prevalent amongst the people who really only know stories about hypnosis and watch TV and things like that. Well, interestingly enough, you know, when you were doing your research, did you ever come across um, research on which cauldron you should use <laughs> to best treat uh, an anxiety disorder? Was it, was, it, was, it three, was it three eyes of newt or two? <laughs> it's funny. Someone had actually come up to me, and it was uh, an acquaintance I had, and she said to me, she said, what is this hypnosis? Is it like witchcraft? And she was all serious. And, oh, my goodness, I would have loved to, you know, have had a broom close by and say, yes, it is. Even my family, when we were doing work out of my house, my in-laws would call it the voodoo room that I worked out of. <laughs> so, you, you know, one of the one of the things, one of my, uh, I am the the president of the uh, local chapter of the NGH National Guild of Hypnosis here in mm. Boston, and one of the things I've always wanted to do is make people more aware of what hypnosis and what NLP is and how effective it can be. Um, I think people need to know, you know, my, my peers also always talk about, you know, you know, there's going to be too many hypnotists here and there will be too much competition. I said, the only thing limiting us with the amount of, you know, clients we get is the lack of knowledge that's out there about how, what hypnosis really is and what it can do for you. You know, there's, there's, it's still, there's, there's probably 80% of the people out there, if not higher, that really don't know that hypnosis is a serious tool for making change. So what is hypnosis for you? How would you describe it? And I have some follow-up questions, by the way. Oh, okay. mainly stimulated and i tell you because i had a, a non-hypnosis a non-change worker friend who last night late at night i haven't done this for years you know i was taking back to my student days you know where you you while away the hours hypothesizing and discussing strange and wonderful topics and last night was one such evening and we were discussing what i do in hypnosis and he has some just his beliefs about hypnosis and what it is have definitely been uh 
molded and shaped by the common preconceptions of what people think hypnosis is. So it was interesting hearing from him where we differ, what I think hypnosis is, having worked as a hypnotherapist and a change worker versus like the average person. So I have a bunch of stuff which I'm, I'm, I'm ready and armed with to see what your take is on Okay, great. Brace yourself, yes. <laughs> I will. I will. Hypnosis, from my point of view, is a methodology to be able to work with the unconscious mind. Okay. My, my studies and my research from NLP and from various places says, okay, the, the, the thing that really controls our mind and our body is our unconscious mind. And from a conscious level, and a lot of therapists work from a conscious level, right? We, we can't easily control those habits. We can't easily control those urges and those cravings and those thoughts that come up. And the reason we can't is because they're not at a conscious level. So they're at an unconscious level. So if you want to make change, it doesn't make sense to make the change at a conscious level. It makes a change a sense to make a change at an unconscious level. So hypnosis, when someone's in a trance, and people, even us hypnotists, often get the idea of trance and hypnosis uh, mixed up. And I have a good friend, Tom Nicole, who's been doing this for 20 years. He, he likes to point it out. He says, all right, I'm not in hypnosis. I am in trance. Now, trance is a state, of course, you know, when the brain slows down. So when the brain slows down, your conscious mind, your imagination and everything is more susceptible to suggestions. So then you use hypnosis, which is a framework taking advantage of that that's my understanding of hypnosis so then you you use scripts or you use you know stories and metaphors to get to make those change by the way i i'm one of those in the thought world of that the unconscious mind for a a good uh for the most part is like a five-year-old child and i use that metaphor all the time you can't directly tell a five-year-old child to do something. You often have to tell them over and over and over again, uh, as the saying goes, till you're blue in the face. And sometimes they still don't do it. That's us telling ourselves consciously that we want to make the change. Now, if you show the five-year-old, if you tell them a story, if you get them engaged, that's us. That's how we work with the unconscious mind. Then a five-year-old is more likely to learn something. And that's, that's how I approach it. And that's what hypnosis is to me, is to be able to take advantage and work with the unconscious mind at a level that can't be done consciously. Make sense? It, it does. And the, the question I would have, if we explore this a little deeper, <clears throat> is if someone were resisting and set out to go, no, like, I if they said to you, I don't like the idea of being controlled. I don't like the idea of you, you know, being able to make me do stuff. Even if that stuff were good for me, I don't like the, the idea that you could make that happen. How would you respond to that? Okay. Remember I told you I, um, I like to shape people's beliefs, and it's a little like chipping away mm. right and here's one where 
where I would, you know, I would, of course, the response is, you are in control, okay? The response is, you consciously are definitely in control and can choose to go to this beach if I suggest it or not. And listen to me or not. Okay, and it, and it's totally your choice. And then I start telling him stories about how I have had people in here who had the choice, who decided, hey, what you're telling me, I'm not comfortable with, and just opened their eyes. And then we took a different approach. So I break down their belief system that I'm taking control and build up their belief system that they are in control. So then, then the question would then become is if it's about if ultimately what we're saying is that they can choose to follow yes, or, or not, and it's their choice so that they have the power, then how would someone be termed a hypnotist in that we, we're kind of implying that we don't have the power now i don't believe and just just so you know where i'm at i don't believe that of course hypnosis is that we have some special power we're, we're simply I, I look at it that we're being a guide you know yeah. and they can then allow that to happen but the interesting discussion with my with my with my friend the other night who we haven't spoken to for, for, for a long time you know and he didn't even know what i did these days so it was interesting for him um he was like, well, no, but that, then you're not a hypnotist. A hypnotist is someone that has to be able to, to control me. So I, th- I think, quite frankly, his definition of what he defines as hypnosis needs to update a little bit. Mm. You know? um, and, and the conversation did just end up with being, well, you know, putting it nicely, I think you're wrong. Um, it, it's kind <laughs> of, you know, I, I, I delivered it subtly, obviously, just like that. Um, but essentially, yeah, it was just this interesting idea that, you know, if as a hypnotist, we're kind of saying, you know, ultimately you allow it in, I act as a guide, so that all mm. the changes are coming from you, then why would they come and see us? Because it's not you that does anything. Was, was the little quandary that he was, he was struggling with. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, the reason they come see us is because, not because we have the power, but we have been trained and we have the knowledge as to how best get to make that change for them. I, there's a, there's a, you ever hear of the Heartland script? I think so. Yeah. It's very popular here in, uh, uh, at least within the NGH. The, uh, it is a part of that that says everything I tell you to do for you. And basically, it, it says that we're doing this stuff for them. You know, we're making these suggestions for them, for their own good. Actually, it's not to say for their own good. Um, and that's the approach that I, that I take with my clients. Now, your, your friend um, is not unique. How many times have you been called by a prospect and they use the words, I want you to make me do this? I have that all the time in an initial call. I say, what, what's your problem? And they say, well, I want you to make me lose weight. <laughs> okay. Yep. Then, I, then you'll stay with me in a room and I'm going to starve you. And, and I'm going to make you lose weight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> or have you had this where people say, you know, um, well, let's just see if it works. Oh. So it's an it, you know, yeah. it's magic it, you know, because um, it reduces it to like a commodity, a thing, doesn't it? It's like I, I bought this remote control. Let's just test it, it out. And, uh, yeah. and in doing that, they remove any responsibility from themselves they, yeah that they play in this yeah and, and that's something and that's something that's very important to um talk to uh, your clients about is that you know they have to have uh, some responsibility in there they really do now when it comes to you know when it comes to control uh i had one client who came to me and um, he came to me on the advice of his doctor and his partner and didn't really want to be there. And I put him under, supposedly under. Yeah, you know, he kind of, he looked the part, he played the part, and I brought him out. And I said, how was that? And he says, I was just thinking the whole time how much effing money i'm paying per minute for this <laughs> i said oh boy he's gonna be a lot of fun he's gonna be a lot of fun however this uh illness that he had for four and a half years after five weeks he finally admitted to me he says i'm back to work uh i am uh back to socializing doing everything else and my partner and i going on a vacation four and a half years he had been in his house, not working, not being able to do anything but go to hospitals for tests. Yeah. So even though you have reluctant clients, you can still make change. That brings me to a really interesting place, which I often comes up on the Rapid Change Matters podcast, <laughs> which is, you know, there is these, I believe, some age-old ideas which is that change needs to take a long time. It needs to be about 500 to 600 of free association, goatee beard, which, by the way, uh, Kevin does have, by the way. We won't hold it against him. Um, you know, while one strokes it and says, did you dream of fish when you were 12? But I don't think that change needs to be that way. That's the passion that I have about putting content out that helps people realize that change can happen quickly. So, um You've shared already one case study just there in terms of the gentleman who's now going and vacationing. But could you share a couple more of, of people that have come in? They really came with stuff that seemed to certainly to themselves like, wow, this is a big thing. This could never be sorted out fairly swiftly. But yeah. remarkably enough, transformation has occurred. Yeah, one of my one of my early cases, I had someone that uh, called me up about uh, insomnia. And I didn't know much about insomnia. So before I got to my consult with him, I did a little research and everything. So I'm talking to him and he says he's been through the sleep studies. He's been through this and that. He's had it for six and a half years. And when he would talk about insomnia, he says that the, he has not been for six and a half years been able to sleep more than two hours straight at a time. And he was on some heavy medication. He was close to committing suicide. Um, and so he talked about a lot of things. So, I, you know, I went back, did the natural thing, right? Six and a half years ago, anything happened in your life? No, 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 no. Anything, any change? And then he said to me, he said, well, it's about the time that, you know, because I have allergies, 
I went and started doing, uh, I, I raised bees so I can have my own honey, which, you know, uh, gives you some immune immunity to local uh, allergens. So I was just about to dismiss him. And then I said, something said to me, all right, let's take him in. So we brought him in. And I do some really cool parts therapy. Uh, Core Transformation by Connie Ray Andreas. You've probably heard the name. And so uh, I was doing this and, uh, you know, going, okay, for what reason, for what purpose is this for? And all of a sudden, he stopped. He says, no, 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 no. This can't be, this can't be, this can't be. I said, what, what? He says, you know, I, the, I got this suggestion, this, this, this voice in my head for my father's love. He says, I haven't seen my father in 25 years. 25 years? I said to myself, hmm, hmm, hmm. Right, let's go with it. We went with it. Um, after the first session, he was sleeping half the night. After the third session, he was sleeping almost a full night again. And it was just, it was just phenomenal. It blew me away. You know the cool thing? You know why I'm so passionate? Is because every single person I have in here when I when I make a successful change, it still it still blows me away. I still love to see it and I'm still amazed by it. It doesn't bore me at all. And uh this was just this really totally blew me away. And him, <laughs> of course. Um and you know, hey, it was really, really wild. Did you ever regress somebody to point of conception? <laughs> that was wild. It brought up a question for him, and uh, which we basically why me, you know, why him? And uh, it's funny. I get so excited with clients when they have when they bring up questions that I want to answer it for them. I don't know if that ever happened to you. And I'm sitting there and saying, I know the answer. I know the answer. <laughs> and finally, after about, you know, after about 30 seconds or so, he said, well, if not him, not me. I wouldn't be here. And that was the defining moment. And that's when change, change is made when there is a, an epiphany at a deep level, not a, not a conscious epiphany, of course that was conscious, but at a deep level because he was in such rapport with his own unconscious mind. Um, that was cool. I was still, and he did a testimonial for me and everything, and, and I still, today, that excites me. Um, being able to help somebody who's, who basically has not had uh, a, a reasonable life because of issues that they're dealing with and have them walk away and be, be living again the way they should. Um, there is nothing more exciting than that. To, and to me, to me. I'm sorry, it, it told you I got passionate. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's really cool. And, and my thoughtful face, by the way, if you could see me now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you'd see I'd have a I have a pensive and thoughtful face. Um, Andy has a beard, but he's not stroking it. <laughs> absolutely, and I, and I didn't dream of fish when I was twelve. <laughs> However, <clears throat> I, I look. I, I think there's something really interesting here, which is you mentioned that you know change happens when people have often when people have like a deep insight 
in something that's going on. But I think the word insight is often very banded around. And I myself have often said, you know, if you look at the Rapid Change Works webpage, which I might have to change now, um, things like, you know, change isn't about deep psychological analysis and so on. And it almost points at this idea that, you know, a typical counselor or a psychotherapist is trying to help give you some insight around why you are like you are. And it almost implies that deep psychological insight, you know, is is not important or has no factor. But I think this is different, isn't it? We're not talking about kind of conscious analysis and getting no. into why someone is like they are. We're talking about a different type of insight. So I, what is yeah. that? the difference? Yeah, here's, here's a, what I tell my clients very often. I said, you know, very often a, a problem goes back to a long time ago, right? By the way, I used to think Freud was not talking about, you know, everything goes back to our childhood. Uh, but since I've been doing this work, <laughs> guess what? A lot of our stuff goes back to our childhood, of course. But I talk about someone who come, you know, someone who's got a phobia of dogs. They were bitten by a dog when they were three or four years old. And since then, they've not been able to deal with dogs. It frightens the hell out of them. And I said, okay, they, they go back, they go back to that time in, in a hypnotic trance or in a very deep, deep where their, where their unconscious mind is, is, is active. They go back to that time and they look at it from all of the history, all of the experience and learnings that they've had since then. And they say, wow, no wonder the dog bit me because I was stepping on its tail and pulling its ears. Of course the dog would bit me. But at three years old, you would never consider that. Then the epiphany happens. And all of a sudden the unconscious mind says, oh, I've been holding on to this for a long time for nothing. This is stupid. I'm never going to step on well, unless I'm stupid enough to step on a dog's tail and pull the ears again, I'm not going to get bitten. So it's kind of like that happens in that moment. And of course, as, as hypnotherapists and NLP practitioners, we go back and we, we work on it. But one of the things I always do is, is I always say, okay, ask your unconscious mind to take the learnings from this moment, the learnings of which will allow you to release this fear, anger, whatever it is. And that works because what we're doing is saying, hey, we're not three years old anymore. You know, if this happened today, we'd know that we get bitten. So it's almost like we're, we're infusing some logic into something that was happened many, many years ago, but we can't do it consciously. It, it sounds like it would be easy to do it consciously, but you can't. You're your subconscious, your unconscious mind has to have that realization. It's the one, it's the thing that needs the insight, not your conscious mind. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. It does. And I, I think it's an important distinction. And more and more, um, I've been of the mind that, yes, everything that we do, ultimately, if change is happening, is because at some level, they've just they've seen something differently. They've had an experience of something different, and they've really, really got that. That something that they thought meant something is not what they thought it was. That there's right. some illusion at some level that they've simply fallen for. Exactly. Now, often 
these memories, we've got to go back and have that insight with. Um, very often, they're not aware of them consciously. They've forgotten them a long time ago, um, you know, or they buried them. And so that's, that's where we as hypnotists can guide them to, to you know, find that place where, where it all started. On, on a totally different note, Kevin, tell me, because uh, you, you have mentioned to me in the past that you had a fear of heights. Um, and you managed to sort that out uh using some of this stuff what what specifically how how bad were you how was it and what did you do that sorted it out i've got a little story to this and i actually use this with my clients because when i was younger when i was in high school and college i was jumping out of planes i was hang gliding you know i didn't have a fair heights and then somewhere in my late 20s and 30s, I started getting this fear, and it got so intense. Uh, we went up to, there's a, like a Space Needle in Toronto, where, you know, you go up, uh, I don't know, 100 stories. It felt like a 1,000 to me. And they have a glass floor. And you get to take pictures. Now, my kids were very young, and my kids and my wife got on the glass floor, and I couldn't. And my kids were there jumping on the glass floor. And I'm looking at it and said, no, 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 no. So I actually had to sit down and I, can, oh, I could only get myself to have one butt cheek on <laughs> the glass floor to take the picture. And I was in panic. I couldn't do anymore. That's how bad it was. So, so just to interject, because I know that the question everybody on the listeners' minds will be, <laughs> was it the left butt cheek or the right butt cheek? I, I don't want to be accused of ever shying away from the tough question. In my own energy, I believe it was the left one. The left one. Uh, if there is some Freudian thing about that, let me know, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I, I, I come to the point where, you know, I, I wasn't enjoying what I used to enjoy. And I, even to the point, uh, we have a, a trailer, I believe you call them caravans in, uh, in the UK. And I couldn't get myself on the ladder onto the top to do any work on the roof of the trailer. I mean, what's that, 10 feet? Um, it was like a 30-minute process for me to actually get to sit down, and I would never stand up. So it was really bad. So I decided to do the NLP fast phobia cure. I suppose you've heard of it. You, I think you actually know that because you're NLP trained. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, let's do this. I walked myself through it. I did it. And I've done this with, with clients hundreds of times, successfully, and it didn't work. I do it again, it didn't work. You know, over a period of a couple of weeks, I had tried it five or six times, and I'm saying, what's this? I can't do it on myself. So I, I gave it a rest. And you know how you give a problem a rest, and all of a sudden something comes up? And a few days later, a memory came up that I hadn't remembered in a long time. I fell out of a tree when I was six and a half years old onto a barbed wire fence. And I had a scar on my stomach for the longest time. I thought it was in a tree house, I believe. And I said, oh, I had completely forgotten about that. I went back. I used the fast phobia on that event and instantly gone. All right. That's why I love this because I struggle with it. And my unconscious mind said, okay, maybe you want to remember this. And all of a sudden, yes, that, that was it. And, you know, since then, I've gone up tall buildings and glass elevators and just loving it. I've, we were in Las Vegas earlier this year on the 
30th or 40th floor and we had a balcony and I'm leaning over the balcony, looking down, enjoying the heck out of myself. The only fear was my glasses were going to fall down and I'd have to pay another $500 for another pair. Who knows? <laughs> but it was phenomenal. So it, it was a teaching lesson for me too, because there are times when the fast phobia doesn't work exactly the way you need it to. Mm-hmm. So in those times is, you know, you need to stretch to find what's going to make it work. Well, even that it points towards something really cool, which is for me, I believe that rapid, the change when it happens, it always happens rapidly. The only thing that takes time is just often finding that piece to change. Exactly. Exactly. By the way, belief is that way too. Right. When you actually create a belief or change a belief, it happens rapidly. Now, sometimes it, it leads up to a long time before, bam, you, uh, you got that. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's so cool. But, you know, feeling the change in myself. And I've had some, a lot of changes in the work I do uh, because when I'm learning it, I'm doing it as well. And I've, I've been very fortunate to take classes where it was more important for you to experience the stuff you're learning than it is actually for you to be able to do it. And uh, so, but some of those are in so deep, you don't feel the change, but it's happened. It really has happened. So if there are people out there that are listening to this and they're thinking, you know, I, li- I like the sound of all of this, uh, particularly this idea of working with beliefs, working conversationally, really embodying and using the stuff on myself. Are there any, uh, you know, I don't know, two or three go-to reads, go-to books that you would highly recommend other than the Andrew T. Austin's Rainbow Machine recommended <laughs> on the Rapid Fire Round? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I heard your interview, and uh, I've got a book that uh, was one of the things that changed me really on, which is Fox the Princess. And uh, I loved, I liked it. it. It's not for every, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it, it, it actually helped me quite a bit. There's just, you know, <clears throat> one of the things that really astounded me and uh, with chain work is to be able to do change work without even knowing what the problem is. And I believe there's examples of that in there. And that just blew me away. And maybe that's where actually I've actually had some convictions build in me that, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do. So I think that is a, that is a great book. Um, My Voice Will Follow You is also a, a great book. I see that smile. You've been there by Milton Erickson or I'm sure. Yes. But it was um, Milton Erickson who actually had all the content in there. And so, yeah, um, those are a couple of great books to start on. And of course, if you're not trained in this stuff, then find a good organization, a great organization to uh, train with. So I, I think that's really good advice and also something that you yourself have done. And you said you, you run a meetup group. Um, for, is it 12 years now? Yeah. Yeah. I've run a meetup group here in New England for 12 years. It's the largest uh, hypnosis and NLP meetup group um, in New England. And, you know, I, I did it. And actually, I acquired that from uh, a person that was running a hypnosis meetup group and I was, I joined and I wanted to learn and participate. 
and he gave it up shortly after within uh, six months or so. So I acquired it. And then another person who is still a great friend of mine who moved away, um, Adam Marks, and he had a meetup group for NLP and I acquired that and put them together. And you know what I use it for? You know, originally I said, well, this is a great place for hypnotists to get together and practice because I believe you really need to, you need to have that ability to, to practice. And you don't want to practice on your clients, do you? Or at least we won't admit that. <laughs> so um, then I found out I was getting so many people that were just interested in it. They weren't hypnotists. So I said, all right, well, let's just take these techniques and you know, do uh, little workshops. And I bought my own practice and I, I use it almost as a guinea pig uh, session and uh, to see if they work. And, you know, it's not, it sounds like it may be a little self-serving, but certainly I've had so many people walk out of there uh, having some really great changes in their lives. But even better, I've had so many people in my meetup that went off to get certified in hypnosis and NLP. And that excited me tremendously because I love I love it when more and more people are involved in this, which means more and more people get to know about this stuff. Yeah. So one thing that often comes up on this, uh, on the podcast, and I'm always fascinated with is how do you frame the way in which you're going to work with clients? So, you know, if we start out with someone uh, getting in touch with you, is that normally via email? Do they just call you out the blue? And like, ahead of time, what do they think is going to happen and how do you frame it given that, you know, the, the challenge I've always seen is you're playing with two things that almost are diametrically opposed. On the one hand, you want to kind of say, yeah, like I really think we can help. And yeah, I don't think it's going to take too long. And on the other hand, it's you don't want to say it's guaranteed I can help you <laughs> and it's going to be really quick. <laughs> okay you know you're talking you're asking your questions about some things i've actually been dealing with and going through and making changes uh as of recently first of all how do i get clients most of the time it's calls as a matter of fact i just recently changed my website and i got a form on there which seems to be working because i'm getting uh i'm getting uh emails from the form saying you know i will get in touch with me i want to consult uh they find me on yelp they find me on google and or referrals. Uh, I'm actually getting referred referrals now from therapists that I've never even heard of. I said, how do you know about me? What are you just picking somebody out of the internet and saying, go, go to them. I'm not sure that's responsible, but anyway, <laughs> so they call me up and I get a feel for what they, you know, what they have. And you know what? It, it's still in my head and it's been in my head for a long time. The, Ever since, you know, I started practicing, he said, someone calls in and they say, well, I've got a phobia of bees. And instantly, I want to say, 15 minutes. <laughs> 15 minutes, you'll be out of here. <laughs> so, so when someone does call me, I, I get so excited. And, you know, I want to say, yeah, 15 minutes, an hour, you know, one session. And I stopped doing that. I have had many people, and in the past, I used to do one sessions because I'd say, okay, this is how I'm charging. And um, very often, I can take care of the problem in one session, but I found that 
there is a follow-up is always necessary. A follow-up is necessary. Okay, okay. Now that you've gotten over this, now where are we? Now what's this? Or actually just to just to cement the change in, right? So I I've changed recently to say, okay, it's not just one session. So I get really excited, you know, especially I've Someone called me up and they said, they said, I got, I got a phobia of bees and I got bees in the house and I go nuts. And I really <laughs> thought in my head that I, uh, I thought in my head that it was going to be 15 minutes. And I said, wait a second here. Okay. I got to see you for, I got to see you for two sessions. Um, so I frame it is, is, you know, how we're going to work is, the first session, I always, the way I work, the first session is always two hours because even though they come in with an intake form, I build rapport at such a deep level and I, I really believe in rapport. So I, I tell them, okay, we're going to come in, we're going to discuss this, and then we're going to start doing the techniques to make those changes. And then we're going to take uh, a break and you're going to come in again. And we're going to see how those changes work and we're going to reinforce those changes and so on and so forth. So um, my minimum now is, is uh, a two uh, session program. And matter of fact, the, uh, the help of my coach and some other friends, my coach being uh, Dan Candell, who you mentioned in my intro, good friend of mine, uh, was the vice president of the chapter before I became chat president and for some reason he saw me and he took off no <laughs> he's a good friend of mine and he's also my coach and i frame this as you know when i have people coming in i'm no longer looking at it as sessions i'm looking at it as a program that they're getting from me um and for me it works even though it's not programmed right uh, depending on what they're coming in for i uniquely give them what they need Right. I don't have a set thing that says every single client, I do this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. It's not that way. After I figure out what they want, it's, uh, I go exactly to what they need. But, I, but from their perspective, I've got a program. So, yeah, I'm, and I'm always fascinated by, by the way people do that. And over the years, the way I've worked has changed and reflected many different thinking and updated thinking I have. And I have a similar kind of approach uh, as that uh, now, um, and mainly because whilst I do believe that rapid change can happen, I think if we tell everybody that they can be sorted in one session and then it doesn't work, we couldn't help them in one session. Instead of them going away and going, you know what, like, oh, okay, this is part of the process and this is just feedback, they almost just go, oh, well, now I can't be helped. It can mm. reinforce something, and I, it's it's not a path that I ever wanted to sow the seed of. Mm. So, hmm. tell tell me if people want to hear more about the work you do uh, and get in touch. How can they do that? Where can they go? Well, my website is at uh, www.pauseeffects p o s e f f e c t s dot com. Uh, short for positive effects. Uh, it's a brand that. Uh, I felt real comfortable with, and I still do to the, to this day, because I believe that my mission in this world, and my wife's part of the company, uh, we're both hypnotherapists, 
uh, is to uh, leave positive effects uh, with people and to actually positively affect them when they're working with us. Um, so you can reach me there and you'll find all my contact information there and you actually find out about how I describe the work that I do, the hypnosis, the NLP, the Ho'oponopono, which we haven't talked about because mm -hmm. I, I, you know, because it's such a hard word to say, so I didn't want to do this on an audio thing. No. <laughs> and, and, and anything else that I use and stuff, I, um, you know, anyone wants to find out about any of the work that I do, it's out there. Fantastic. And, and, and the final question that I, that I have for you, and I always finish on this, is a really open question, which is when we talked about you coming on the Rapid Change Matters podcast, is there anything that you thought would come up that you'd like to talk about, but that I just haven't asked directly? Um, yeah, actually talking specifically about what rapid change is and what it means, because, you know, I, this thing we're just talking about, you know, I could do something in 15 minutes and in my workshops, I've had people get over uh, issues that they've had with another person for years and years in, in like five minutes. And it's so phenomenal to me, uh, but not all rapid changes, it's those minutes. And I've come to see this. I've had a client I've been working with for a year. And when I look back and I, and I say, well, why haven't I been able to help her in such a, you know, in much faster fashion? And there's been a lot of things, this peeling of an onion type thing and all that. But then her psychiatrist called me uh, a couple months ago and he, and, you know, he just wanted an update. And he said to me, he says, I cannot believe the, the incredible work you're doing with her. She has come so far in such a short time. So I had to stand back and say, you know, instant change is not always the moment you know, the couple minutes or this or that. It, it, it's just as, as fast as it can be and faster than most. Obviously, what we do is, is much faster than traditional therapy at a conscious level. I talked about phobias. Somewhere uh, along the lines, I, I think I read a phobia can be taken care of in talk therapy in 16 months. Mm. Or 16 weeks, sorry. Don't mean to stretch it that much. 16 weeks. And you heard me say 15 minutes. Of course, for me, it took three weeks. I felt really bad. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, so we, how we measure and how we talk about rapid change is, um, you know, it's not everything is five minutes. It's everything is, as you put it in an earlier conversation with me, as fast as you can do it where it is permanent change that to me that's that's very important yeah otherwise it's just uh, a glorified magic trick yes otherwise it's just a glorified magic trick and then we could all be on tv with darren brown yeah and <laughs> and i do think and it's something that has come up from time to time on the podcast i do think there is a, a difference between doing a, a demo of something that looks great and wows an audience and you know, lasting, integrative change. Exactly. There, there is. Um, it's funny you talk about demos because the course that I've created the past couple of years is 
teaching what I call demos, and I'm teaching it from this point of view because I, I do do it as demos, but I found that the change that is made is lasting. Uh, you've heard of something called EMI, eye movement integration. Yeah. Okay. Um, when I do them as demos, I say, okay, take someone that you absolutely, absolutely can't stand. And you know what I found? I found in every audience that I've ever been, there's always a bunch of people that have someone in their life <laughs> that when they think about, it brings up a, a, such negativity because they can't stand them. And in just a couple of minutes, it goes away. And if they never see that person again, it stays away. Hmm. And if that person is in their life on a daily basis, it'll come back because I didn't take care of the core problem of what happened. I just took care of the neural pathways to the, the past that had been happening. But anyway, that's an example. But I have had a couple of people in workshops that came to me afterwards and said, this is one of the workshops I was work, doing work. And I said, don't tell me what the problem is. Just think about it. And I was using the CMI technique. And they came to me afterwards and said, this is trauma for ha from having been molested many years ago, and it's been with me for a long, long time. And now when I think about it, it doesn't bother me. I see, I myself was so blown away, more than, maybe not more than they were, but boy, that blew me away. The fact that they came to me afterwards and said, this little thing that took five minutes gave them the relief of, the negativity that it was brought on by the memory. Now, I don't know that the PTSD is gone altogether, but they were just so amazed and so thankful to me that there was obviously a change. So, yeah, when we talk about this, I can get someone really excited and say, ah, I've had PTSD from the war. You can get me over in five minutes. It's, you know, it, people outside of our, our own group, our own, uh, tribe of hypnotherapists and in the sort might think that it is so instant and in times it can be but we have to be aware that we can make we can still make change a whole lot better than at a conscious level a whole lot faster is there any correlation do you think kevin between the people who come in really thinking it's going to take a long time versus the people that really think it could be done quickly and whether or not it works or whether or not they have success. I, you know what? Um, I, most of my clients come in and they, they don't have a great idea. The ones that think it's going to be uh, a long time and come in from therapy. They've been in therapy for years and they, they don't expect anything to happen within three or four or five sessions. And those are the, those are the people I think have those expectations really long. And what about the people that, that come in and go, listen, you know, you helped my friend and it only took 15 minutes. So now I want you to do this for me. And surely it's going to be quick. Mm. Do you find that that's a successful mindset for change? No, because I will reset that mindset. I, I won't allow someone to come into my, my practice with that mindset of it's going to be five minutes or it's going to be one session and away you go. I've had people in my practice with anger issues mm -hmm. and this is the kind you only see on TV and you hear about. I've actually had a person come in where he was one of those guys that pulled somebody out of the driver's window 
that's how bad his anger issues were. And he came to me, this was back in the time I didn't insist on two sessions. He came to me with, and got one session. He called me up a week later and he said, Kevin, I don't know what the hell you did to me. I said, what are you talking about? He says, I am living on the island of I don't give a shit. He said, nothing bothers me. Nothing bothers me at all. And I just saw my ex-wife and first time in ages that <clears throat> I didn't want to just, you know what? And um, nothing bothers me. Now he, I tried to get him in for another session because I, he probably needed to be roped in a little bit, right? You know, reined in a little bit. But he would live so far away, he didn't want to come in. And he had this belief that, hey, you did it for me, man. This is great. Um, you know, change, change can happen. It can, can happen quickly. And it can happen very consciously. But I've also had the people who have had change quickly but weren't conscious of it. Have you, you ever had someone like that, Howard? I have. Uh, and so they make for some of the most interesting uh, feedback sessions. Yes, indeed. Um, when I had one person call me, I said, Kevin, this isn't working. And he says, you know, and another anger um, uh, client. He says, uh, I, nothing worked. I'm sorry. Um, it's not working on me, which is what a lot of clients think, by the way. I've, I've come to know that when they don't come back, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't often think that it's you. They think it's them. And that's a framework we have to work on a little bit better. But anyway, so I said to this guy, I said, well, you know, the two guys that work for you that aggravated you on a daily basis that you constantly threatened to, to fire, have they had, have you had any problems with them this week? Did you threaten to fire them? He said, yeah, you know what? No. How about your brother-in-law that started working for you a couple of months ago? You cannot stand and you want him out of there. Has he been doing okay this week? And have you been had any problems with him? He said, yeah, no, I haven't. Yeah. I said, uh, did you punch any holes in the wall this week? He said, no. I said, wow. <laughs> so for some, you know, sometimes we make change at such a deep level that it changes remember how they used to feel. And that is wild. That, that blows me away that that can happen. But yeah, it, it, it can happen. And it's really cool. And those people, if you let them walk away, they never come back to you. They're the ones that, that say, uh, yeah, I got nothing out of it. And all of a sudden their life has changed and they don't know it. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I've had a few extreme examples of that myself. Um, and it's a, a very bizarre thing. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think getting people having, ha- the process by which we get people to recognize how far they've come is also uh, a fascinating and important area. Mm-hmm. Kevin, this has been absolutely fascinating, um, uh, and I've loved chatting to you about all things change. And I think it's some really interesting stuff uh, that that you know, if if people just kind of buy into even just a quarter of the passion that you bring to this, then I think they will be in a, a very good place indeed. So, thank you so much for your time and chatting to to us today. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Oh, I have had a blast, Howard. Thank you very much for having me on, and I enjoyed it immensely. Fantastic. And as always, we'll put all the links and recommendations under the uh, the podcast episode below, so scroll down and you can go and connect with Kevin uh, as well. And on behalf of me and my listeners, thank you, and uh, we'll tune in and uh, look forward to the next one. 
Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, why not share it with anyone you think might be interested and even head over to iTunes to give us a glowing review. You'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapid change matters hyphen podcast. And of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus those upcoming live events that will help you hone those change work skills.